tell me, you ever have a, a taste of the popo fruit down there in the sien? Some people call it a, what's the word, babaya. Stolen words, I say popo fruit, mostly for the sound it makes when it tumbles to the jungle floor. Welcome to another edition of the Narrative First Podcast, the weekly podcast where story is always king. I am your host, Jim Hull, the voice of Narrative First, and this is episode number 21, Getting Personal with Your Storytelling. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This week, we'll be continuing our discussion on the essential ingredients of story. Those are the eight dynamic questions from Dramatica. Last week, we talked about the main character resolve and the main character growth, which work together seamlessly to form the, the quote-unquote character arc that everyone is familiar with. So if you missed that episode last week, you might want to check it out. Today we'll be talking about the main character approach and how setting the main character's preference for solving problems can help bring your audience closer into your story. bit of follow-up from last week. Uh, immediately after posting last week's podcast... We saw a huge surge in traffic here at Narrative First and essentially slowed the entire site down to the point where no one could actually download or see anything on the site. This is simultaneously a great thing and a really bad thing. For anyone who wanted to listen to the show last week, it's a really bad thing. For me personally, it's great to see that so many people really appreciate the show and really appreciate the site and want to learn as much as they can about story structure and story analysis and, of course, Dramatica. So in the days that followed the outage, I went ahead and turned some dials and reset some things. So now the site should be speedy, and there shouldn't be any more problems as far as downloading podcasts, etc. Thank you so much for your patience and for your continued patronage. In addition, I've been keeping up with the daily blog postings, which I feel is really helping out uh, with my own understanding of Dramatica and actually giving me more of a direction of where to take the show and the site and the work that we do. Uh, Last week we covered uh, separating out the through lines where, you know, if you have the relationship through line, a common mistake that people make is when they go to set the relationship through line, they set the same relationship between the main character and influence character that they have in the overall story. So if they're both work-related, if, if the story is in an overall story, if it's all about work, and then the relationship is all about their working relationship, well, it really isn't a different relationship. It's actually a relationship that's covered in the overall story through line. So in order to expand your story and to make it as broad and as, as great as it can be, you want to find a relationship that has nothing to do with the overall story. That way you can actually branch out and cover a different area of your narrative. And then I had an interesting discovery last week where I was working with a client and she outlined the four seasons of the show that she's working on, the four seasons that she wants to write, and it was an act order that was actually impossible in Dramatica. Like There was no way that you could set the overall story, which was in activity. You couldn't set it to this particular act order. And I found it really interesting because I kind of liked the second half of uh, the act order, and it was... Someone who spends a lot of time looking at story forms and doing analysis of different stories, it was an act order that I wasn't familiar with, and I felt like it was kind of interesting and different. But upon closer examination, it didn't really actually make sense. The last half was really compelling and interesting, but I felt that 
it gave the whole series kind of a downer ending, which I wasn't sure that she was going for. So I kind of set that ending the same way that she had it and then let Dramatica pick the first two. And, of course, the only way you could have those last two uh, signposts the way that they were was if the story ended in failure bad. So it's really interesting. You want to check that out. I'll leave a, a link in the show notes. It was a really interesting example of how the order of events in your story actually carries with it meaning. And the point of my post was that it'll save you, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours of development time if you figure out this stuff in the beginning. And that's why narrative first, that's where it comes from. It comes from all my experience working on tons and tons of stories that had no story until the very last second, and that you could actually save uh, hundreds of man hours by figuring out the story first. And then another thing I started last week was diving into scene creation with Dramatica. Typically, I don't go into it. I feel like, with the screenplays I've written and worked on, that doing the different signposts for each through line and maybe the sequences that you can find in the plot sequence report for one through line for a 105-page screenplay is way more than enough. Uh, but I know there are some people that want to know it all the way down to the bottom, and it's actually kind of interesting. The very bottom actually reflects the very top, which is an interesting conundrum. But if you are writing a giant novel or you're just that kind of person that needs to know exactly how every scene plays out through Dramatica, one of the interesting things I discovered was going through Armando Saldana Mora's book, uh, Dramatica for Screenwriters. He has uh, a description of the difference between true events and false events and how, or true scenes and false scenes, Basically, like how you can make sure that your scene is, is worth being in your story. And he outlines four different qualities, which are... Uh, uh, it's an irreversible event, like you can't go back on it. It changes the character's circumstances. Uh, it gives them new and more important purposes. And it's something that's meaningful to them. And it struck me, because it's a quad, it struck me that it's actually the conceptualizing quad in the psychology domain, or the developing a plan quad in the psychology domain, or manipulation domain where you have situation, that's the irreversible part, right? It's actually changing the situation. You have circumstances, which are changing the circumstances, the emotional assessment for the characters. You have the sense of self, which gives you that new and important purposes, and the state of being, which is how meaningful that is to the characters. So I found that really, really compelling, and then kind of extrapolated how the conceiving an idea domain carries the wants and needs, uh, but then also the cans and shoulds, or cannots and should nots, that the characters can go through. How the playing a role or being quad carries the knowledge, thought, ability, and desire, which I guess is probably closer to the story form itself. And then lastly, the becoming or changing one's nature quad, how that carries responsibility, commitment, obligations, and rationalizations which I guess dictate the development of characters throughout the story. So I'm going to go through and kind of figure out, do some digging, some archaeological digging into the history and development of Dramatica and find out exactly how to develop scenes with the Dramatica theory of story. It's an interesting blog post, particularly if you are interested, if you feel like your scenes aren't as strong as they could be. This can give you an idea of what you can do to, to build up those scenes, build up the structure of those scenes. And that's it for follow-up this week. Again, if you have any questions you want to ask me, feel free to write into narrativefirst.com slash contact. And if you want to leave a voicemail here for the podcast, you can go to narrativefirst.com slash podcast, click on the microphone button on the right, and leave your message. One of the things I'm trying to do this week is to shorten the length of the articles and to also shorten the length of the podcast. Usually the podcast is about 30 to 45 minutes, uh, and the article is about 2,000 to 2,500 words. 
And because of all the stuff I'm doing as far as working with clients and writing and recording podcasts, and I want to put up more material on the site, uh, I want to make it more dynamic and give more of an insight into Dramatica. So starting this week, uh, the podcast, I don't know how much shorter it will be, but it will be a bit shorter. The article seems like it's about a thousand words, so it's about half the length. And, uh, well, I won't waste any more time explaining what how the podcast will be shorter, and I'll just make it short. I saw Jungle Book again, the live-action John Favreau version of Jungle Book. Tell me, you ever have a, a taste of the popo fruit down there in the sand? Some people call it a, what's the word, papaya. Stolen words. I say popo fruit, mostly for the sound it makes when it tumbles to the jungle floor. Uh, the first time I'd seen it, which was two weeks ago, uh, I... I loved it. I thought it was really great. The animation from an animator's perspective, I was an animator for a bit. Uh, I felt like the animation was tremendous. Really, really good. And it was so good that I was kind of taken out of my story analyst role where I went back into animator role and wondered how it would have been to work on these scenes instead of what the actual story is about. But the nice thing is about when you go and see a story again or see a film again, you can actually get into the story because you're not so wowed or mesmerized by the visual noise of the film. And seeing it the second time, it was really clear. Uh, I had wondered, you know, whether Mowgli was a changed or steadfast character. You know, going back to main character resolve from last week. But, I mean, it's really clear that he is the steadfast character. You know, he's got all those little tricks that his dad doesn't want him doing and that Bagheera doesn't want him doing. And kind of the dad and Bagheera work as a handoff influence character where... You know, they want him to, to stop doing all his human tricks and become more of a wolf. But he actually shows them that there's a better way, and he ends up changing Bagheera, and by proxy, you know, his dad uh, changes their attitude towards more of an acceptance of what he can do. Which is typical in most kids' films. The kid is usually the steadfast character, and the influence character is a parent or authority figure. Because when you're a kid, you wanna you want everybody else to change. You don't want to have to be the one to change. And so it seems like in animation uh, and live action films for children, that the main character is typically a steadfast character, and the influence character is the change character. And I used to joke at CalArts that that's also because animators or the people who make films also don't want to be told what to do, and they'd rather everybody else change. So they write stories about people changing other people's opinions. So it was really clear in Jungle Book that Mowgli was steadfast. Uh, when he went and he saved the elephants, that was another uh, another beat there, kind of throwing it in the face of Bagheera by saying, you know, look, my, my tricks are a good thing. I can do really helpful things for, you know, the animals in the jungle. And then at the end, you know, it's Bagheera who tells him to go and get the fire and do what he needs to do in order to save the day. So I haven't, I don't have a full analysis of it. I'm backed up on analyses. I have to do uh, Sing Street, which interestingly enough is Back to the Future with just a change of the overall story domains. Uh, and that's just interesting because the film references Back to the Future a lot. And uh, I have to do Nice Guys, which will be really short because that wasn't much of a story there. And then Jungle Book 2, which I'll, I'll try and get to uh, this week. 
So that does it for Jungle Book. And again, if you have any films or stories that you'd like me to take a look at, feel free to send them my way. Somebody had written in and asked if I would do All the Light That Cannot See, which is a tremendous, oh, it's one of the greatest novels ever. I believe it came out two years ago. Maybe it was last year. Uh, and it definitely has a complete story in it. Very interesting how he split up main character and influence character and, and who is who. And I mean, one of them definitely changes to the other's point of view, and it's just a beautiful film uh, set in World War II. I believe it's towards the end of World War II, uh, between a German soldier and a blind French girl. week's article we're going to cover the main character approach. Uh, Last week, like I discussed at the beginning, we covered the main character resolve and main character growth, which were two of the essential ingredients of story, which are Dramatica's eight dynamic questions. Uh, And, you know, I showed how the main character resolve and main character growth, more than just an explanation of want or need, how they describe the arc both from a state point of view and a process point of view, and how knowing that can make your story stronger and more effective. With six questions remaining, we have to kind of define the difference between character dynamics and plot dynamics. Uh, The problems that exist, you know, if dramatic is a model of a single human mind trying to solve a problem, uh, problems themselves aren't really a thing. They don't exist inside of us, and they don't exist outside of us. They kind of exist in that space in between. So if we're going to model that, then we have to figure out a way to show where that bias is. This is why those storytellers of old and those of us today need to define the dynamics of the internal and the dynamics of the external. If you remember Ugga and Orga from last week, those are the original storytellers, the original bloggers, uh, the main character resolve and the main character growth laid the foundation for their argument, right? They would come back to the campfire and kind of explain and argue their point of view. So the resolve and the growth laid the foundation for that. The main character approach and the problem-solving style, which we'll get into next week, that second and final pair of main character dynamics, that personalized their argument while also establishing a rhythm and order in which to explore it. So if you think about it, inherent within every human mind is a bias that handicaps all of us with subjectivity. In a medium that communicates both objectivity and subjectivity simultaneously, a means to recreate that bias is needed to accurately portray the process of problem-solving. Without the twin dynamics of approach and problem-solving style, a narrative sets itself adrift with no harbor in sight. By dialing these story points in and keeping them consistent throughout a story, an author avoids offering a psychotic mind for an audience to inhabit. So first, this week we'll cover the approach. The Dramatica theory of story defines the main character approach as the kind of techniques a character uses to solve problems, which favor either mental or physical effort. If a main character prefers physical effort, then he's said to be a doer, if mental effort takes center stage in his personal life, then they are marked as a beer. For example, Craig, uh, that's John Cusack and being John Malkovich, takes action to resolve his status as an out-of-work puppeteer. Aaron Brockovich, in the self-titled film, wrecks all kinds of havoc in the external world as she fights to succeed in a man's world. And Wilson, that's Terrence Stamp, haunted by the death of his daughter, works to resolve his issues of guilt quite externally 
in the limey. Beers, on the other hand, seek to internalize or change themselves before taking action. For example, Rick in Casablanca sticks his neck out for no one. It's a lot of internalization going on there. Rachel Lapp, that's Kelly McGillis, struggles to think more like a member of the Amish community in Witness. And Lucy Honeychurch, that's the Helena Bonham Carter character, struggles to maintain traditional Victorian values while discovering her own unique potential in the Merchant Ivory production of A Room with a View. Now notice the emphasis on preference. Many writers new to Dramatica often ask, well, can't my main character do both? Isn't Dramatica kind of holding me back? And the answer is, no, Dramatic isn't holding you back. And yes, of course, your main character can do both. But the main character approach isn't asking an author what their central character can do. It asks what their character prefers to do. Characters who favor mental effort when it comes to solving their problems can engage in physical problem solving just as much as those with a preference for physical problem solving can engage in focused mental effort. Preference speaks of what comes first, of where the focus is, and how the main character hopes to resolve their personal issues. It's not a limiting factor. And that last bit about it being about their personal issues is extremely important. Jason Bourne in The Bourne Identity is a beer. Chris Kyle in American Sniper is a beer. Tom Cruise's character Cage in The Edge of Tomorrow, Live, Die, Repeat, is a beer. And Deckard in Blade Runner, that's the Harrison Ford character, is also a beer. Dramatica makes a distinction between the prime mover of a plot, the protagonist, and the point of view we assume as our eyes and ears into a narrative. That would be the main character. In Dramatica theory, the main character is not always the protagonist, and in fact, many great stories separate out these two roles into separate characters. Uh, in To Kill a Mockingbird, Atticus is the protagonist, and Scout is the main character. In The Shawshank Redemption, Andy is the protagonist, Red is the main character, and in Great Gatsby, Gatsby himself is the protagonist, and Nick Carraway is the main character. But in the case of Bourne, Kyle, Cage, and Deckard, they all are protagonists. Why then the focus on their internal problem-solving? Dramatica classifies them as beers because their personal issues exist in the internal domains of the mind, not the external. When you think of the personal issues of your main character, what you want to look at are the problems and justifications that they've built up over time that they would take with themselves into any other story. You know, it's the, the kind of baggage, the personal baggage that them and only them are dealing with within your narrative. So, you know, that's another way that you can separate out protagonist from main character. Not that they're always separate, but when you're looking at those personal issues, think of, okay, well, if this character was in a different story, what's the kind of junk, what's the kind of emotional baggage that they would take with them into a completely different story. You know, if, if Chris Kyle went into outer space and was the first man, you know, if he was in The Martian, <laughs> if, if instead he went and, and he was the first man on, on Mars, you know, the PTSD would be the same thing that he would bring with him into that story. It would be a completely different story, but those are the personal issues that are unique to him. And you want to have those personal issues because that's how you pull an audience into a story. The kind of issues that the main character is dealing with, but it also provides a way for the audience to come into a story, to have them you know, become a part of your narrative. So it's a very important thing that you want to establish. If you're having difficulty deciding what your main character's issues are, just put them in a completely different story. Throw them in the jungle, throw them in the ocean, put them on top of a mountain. What is the emotional baggage that they would bring along with them for that journey? Personally, Bourne can't remember where he came from or who he is and carries tremendous inner guilt over what he used to do for a living. Kyle suffers from PTSD, 
psychological disorder that began when he shot a child trying to kill Marines, and Cage and Deckard struggle with their own internal identities. Each of these characters takes action to solve problems in their action-oriented overall story throughline, while simultaneously internalizing their own personal problem. Uga and Orga likely encounter problems of a similar nature, external in terms of the bigger picture, while internal from a personal point of view. Communicating that differential required a method of setting the main character's personal issues apart from the overall story issues plaguing everyone. They needed to develop the main character's approach. And with this we define the bias of the model. Effective story structure requires an author to model the bias that exists in every mind. That's that subjectivity we were talking about before. The main character approach defines the edges of this partiality. By setting the personal issues of the main character in either the external or internal realm, an author completes the alignment of through lines set into motion by the main character growth. So if you think of the main character approach as being doer or beer, and it sets it whether or not it's in an external or internal domain, the start or stop function within the main character growth determines where the overall story sits in relation to the main character through line. And with that, you've actually set, with those two story points, you've actually set all four through lines at once. And with this bias set, the focus can now turn to the dynamics applied to the model. The main character resolve determines which perspective winds up first. You can't just do them both at the same time. You either have to do the external, and then you do the internal on top of that, or you do the internal, and then you do the external on top of that. So the resolve determines that. The subject of next week's article on next week's podcast will cover the main character's problem-solving style, which sets the pattern for the wind-up itself. That's it for this week's podcast. Hope you found the shorter length more manageable and yet still informative and inspiring when it comes to applying Dramatica to your own writing. Hope you have a great week of writing, and we'll see you next week.